Hey everybody, it's Future Terry here. Well, future to the podcast you're about to hear, not future to you, obviously. I've just popped in while I'm editing this podcast to let you know that there are a few audio issues within the first sort of 10 minutes of this podcast that I either couldn't fix or haven't the capacity to fix. But once we start really getting into the deep weeds of the review today, the discussion about it, those audio issues clear up. So just a quick word of warning that there might be a few slightly disjointed sections right at the start of the podcast, but if you stick with it, it'll resolve itself pretty quickly. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Terry Talks Fiction. Now that we've spent a few weeks looking over some of the best fiction through books, movies, video games, comics, and webcomics that 2020 had to offer, we're going to start kicking into 2021 in full gear. And what better way to start off 2021 than a review of an amazing book that I read in the first couple of weeks of this year. That book is Blood State by Raluca Balaza. And the best way I can think of describing this book is a science fiction novel that's small in galactic scope, but stunning in its exploration of individual character, human nature, and the sheer lengths to which a person or a species will go to to ensure their own survival. Bloodstate is Balas's first published novel and marks her debut into the novel writing scene. However, her short fiction has been published in multiple places previously, including Andromeda Spaceways, Orealis, Psychopump, and Grimdark Magazine. And the level of commitment to quality that being published in those places suggests is very evident in this novel. It's also worth noting that this novel was the result of Balusa's MFA class. That's a Master of Fine Arts for those of us who are outside of the US and Canada. And as such, she credits the MFA cohort for their input through the drafting process of the early iterations of this novel. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But for now, I'd like to introduce the book to you in Balusa's own words. Here is how the book's blurb reads. And before we start, I'm going to apologise because even nearly 10 years of operatic tenor training has not prepared me for pronouncing words with an umlaut in it. However, I'm going to give it a go. The planet name for this science fiction novel, of course, has an umlaut, and I'm probably going to pronounce it seven different ways during the course of this review just so I can make sure that I've got it right once. Three generations ago, the modernist mission arrived on the planet Tailty to find it already inhabited by the Firsts, humanoids who have evolved an antifreeze glycoprotein in their blood. With the next ice age nipping at everyone's heels, the modernist government will do anything to get the protein, even experimenting on the Firsts in secret. Despite modernist General Lucian Devereux's best efforts, what begins as a medical research facility to ensure his people's survival becomes a concentration camp. When an exiled vigilante learns this secret, 
he threatens to tell the world and spark a war between modernist and first, a war that neither can afford before the Ice Age. Surrounded by enemies, Lucian must figure out whom to trust, or neither subspecies will survive much longer. Now, when I received this book as a reviewer for Aurealis magazine, I didn't really know anything beyond the fact that it was a science fiction novel, its title, and that blurb. But even that was enough to grab me right from the start. I was really keen to dive into this novel and see that exploration of the science fiction elements in regard to species survival. The science is fun, the fiction is great, and as the blurb suggests, there's an intense focus on the constant looming threat of the planet itself and the... It's a really present force that drives the narrative forward, and you feel it tangibly through every sort of second scene of the novel, where as soon as anyone goes outside or outside the enormous domed, artificially heated areas that the leading families can afford to have around their estates. Just the description of how people are cold and... But what's really funny, and what I didn't expect from the blurb, was how broad the exploration would be. The character of Lucian Devereux, the de facto leader of the modernist government, isn't the sole protagonist of the story, and his motivations, while deeply explored and expounded on, aren't as gripping or engaging as some of the other characters in the novel. And personally, what I found so intriguing about this novel was, yes, the characters, but more specifically, the way that the characters interacted and promoted the central theme of the book which was an absolutely just excoriating, critical examination of colonialism. Colonialists that that involves, and all the detriment to the indigenous peoples at the same time. The book doesn't shy away from examining both sides of that coin with a critical eye. And while it definitely comes down on one side rather than the other, getting the perspectives from characters of both sides and seeing how their motivations play out with their character really humanises both sides of this debate whilst also not whitewashing it. It's a real strength of the writing in this book that you can empathise with truly horrible people and you can understand that what they're doing is truly horrible. You can understand how they've arrived at this place through their character arcs and how they can think that their motivations are, if not noble and pure, at least good. But you can also see how they're completely deluding themselves and that they really are just horrible people once you scratch the veneer off. The fact that some of my favourite characters in the book were some of these awful people really speaks to the strength that Velasa is able to engender through her writing. And the broadness of the characters is really fun. You've got Lucian Devereux, who is a very straight-laced, up-and-down political figure. He's completely focused on his political goals to the absolute detriment of everything else, whether that's his marriage 
whether that's his relationship with his family and his house, whether that's his relationship with the other founding houses in the modernist government, or whether it's just his relationship with the simple shred of humanity that would be appalled at one's actions at running a concentration camp that experiments on its prisoners. And if anything, this is where the book fell down a little bit. Lucian's character motivations and what we learn about him as a person as the novel progresses doesn't really jive with his actions and his indifference to the firsts that are in the concentration camp below the main building for where the majority of the narrative is set. And it's for the simple fact that he's not getting results. He seems to be a very data-oriented kind of individual. And we know from pretty early on in the novel that the experiments they're running are kind of just shitty science. It's just not really working. They're not getting any really tangible data. Their approach to the whole thing is kind of bizarre, even from modern standards, but let alone from future standards. It's never really explained why they need to kidnap hundreds of people in order to analyse blood for a protein. You would think that it's the sort of thing you could easily replicate in a lab once you have, like, a vial of the stuff and are able to genetically sequence it. And while it's definitely done in the novel for a vehicle of discussion about colonialism, it's weird that this seems to be the one place where the science of this science fiction novel is running at a 1930s level rather than a 20x century level instead. I would think that by the time humanity has evolved interstellar travel, no matter how rudimentary, we'd still be at a point where we could synthetically analyse a blood sample. And I kind of feel like Lucian's character would be the type that demands results rather than continually throwing these people into a pit to try to grind them up to find the answer to this problem of isolating the protein which allows them to exist with this natural antifreeze in their blood and therefore survive the ice age which is about to wipe out the modernist government. And continuing on character discussions, I have to say I absolutely adored Dominic, the terrorist of the novel, who was just an absolute joke. He was just so incredibly inefficient and managed to completely cripple the government with fear because his just random actions seemed like such as clever, thought-out, well-plotted Joker-style level man with a plan. It was really funny, and it was absolutely delicious to see that every time that this just, this just crazed fool got on the page, I enjoyed and appreciated it every time. Paired with his brother in the novel, who was a really compelling character, the dynamic between them was super fun to watch evolve over the course of the story. And now that we've spent enough time on the male characters, let's look at just how good the female characters in this novel are. Firstly, you've got Kiraz, the other half of the political marriage between Lucian and House Devereux, with herself and her house, House Carter. 
Kiraz is a fascinating character, not only because she's a very strong-willed woman of her own right in this completely loveless political marriage, and just seeing how the relationship between herself and Lucian evolves over the course of the story, as both of them gradually learn to put their guard down around each other, and not only consider each other's motivations, but really put themselves in each other's perspective, knowing what their motivations are. It's a relationship that's clearly meant to be explored over multiple novels, and after this book, I'm really, really keen to see where that relationship goes, and where it ends up, because I feel that it has the potential to end up in any number of states by the end, each of all which would be quite satisfying, regardless of what they actually are. This is not the type of relationship that necessarily needs to become true love hard fought for. There's really a lot of scope in this for a multitude of satisfying endings. And in my reading experience, that's quite hard to pull off properly. But Belaza has certainly laid all the groundwork necessary in this novel for that to be completely open. And if the writing quality stays at this level, I have no doubt that no matter where these two characters end up in the state of their relationship by the end of the series, it's going to be something really satisfying. But then we come to the other main female character of the novel, At Keset Eren Athlur, most often referred to as just Eren. She is the book's only point-of-view character who happens to be a first. And this is part of the world-building that I really, truly love about this book. But it's never, or at least it's never as far as I could see it in the novel as I was reading, but it's never really explicitly told to the reader who the firsts are in regards to the modernists. It's made blatantly clear at some points of the novel, and with the way that some characters work, that both the firsts and the modernists are iterations of humans from Earth, just having arrived on the planet Tailty at different times. The firsts obviously having arrived there first and having spent several centuries and multiple generations evolving for the planet's particular idiosyncratic needs, like the higher gravity to Earth and, of course, the periodic ice ages where the planet freezes over. I absolutely love the vagueness in the world building where the answers to the questions that you have are completely built out of all the surrounding context in the novel. I often talk about how novels can be built and interpreted in relation to archaeological sites, having, of course, worked as an archaeologist for a decade myself. And this novel really gives the reader that kind of sense of discovery about the key elements like that, where you have to interpret it from what you see in the novel, rather than having anyone sort of sit down and just expound that to the reader. And I really appreciate the elegance with which that's done in this novel. Small little details scattered throughout, you know, that reference 
things like the the different ways that generation ships were constructed over the course of multiple departures from Earth, some moving a bit faster than others, some some with the where the ships had different capabilities, so that when you know the firsts arrived, they're sort of more primitive version of the generation ship didn't handle entry through the atmosphere and the modernist uh, fleet arriving later still has a mothership up in orbit somewhere which they still they really can't get to anymore it all builds a really distinct picture of the world without slamming him in the face with it and Eren is a perfect example as a character of how all that's sort of introduced to the novel through her perspective and through the way that she interacts with the other characters, particularly the modernists. Erin is fantastic. She's really good as a character that's just been pushed over and over again through the course of the novel into uncomfortable situations where she doesn't want to be and which are culturally difficult for her to be in. Her central casting as, you know, the character most affected by the negative aspects of colonialism. It's explored really well, and really naturally throughout the course of the novel. The great context of everything around the characters in here coming at at play again in this respect, because whilst she rarely fingers the blame on the modernists themselves and their actions for what's happening around her, it's very clear that she is discovering and uncovering for the reader just how damaging it is when you have a secondary, more technologically advanced civilization just running roughshod over an indigenous population. And the unspoken, unthought liberties that they take, not necessarily by malice, but just because they inherently view the colonists, inherently view themselves as having a right to the resources of the place that they have colonised, and that includes the people who happen to be there first. As a point of view character from this perspective, Erin is really well written, because none of it comes off as preachy, while at the same time it comes off as absolutely critical and that is a really fantastic achievement of the way that her character and the other characters of the book are written the message of this novel could not be more clear colonialism is a poison on this planet and as an allegory for historical colonialism around our own world this makes some really valuable points and that it's able to do so without, as I said, coming across as being preachy about it, is truly clever and doesn't undermine the importance and the power of the message. And that discussion of colonialism is the theme that is the connective tissue between all the characters of this novel and the planet itself. This planet, Taalti, 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 is completely aggressive. To human life. And the way that the firsts and the modernists approach this problem is so diametrically opposed. The firsts having adapted to the conditions of the planet and sacrificing parts of themselves in order to exist in the environment, being one polar end of that spectrum, 
and the modernists whose complete reliance on the technological solution in every aspect, whether that's beating back storms with force fields, having you know those those warming domes around their houses, and right up to wanting to genetically manipulate rather than genetically surrender to the environment, no matter what the cost that that incurs on themselves and the firsts that they're subjugating in order to experiment. And having the two central characters of Lucian and Kiraz sort of representing each half of that coin in the marriage that they're in is really powerful when it's also supported by the supporting cast of Aaron and Dominic and Cyprus all coming at the exact same theme but all from slightly different angles sort of a tear down or a tear down again from those central core characters and finally just the excitement of the political intrigue in this book is really good it's really compelling to see how the modernist government is put together and how the various houses which have all sprung up from the positions that the initial modernist colonists had on their generation ship is really good. And, you know, since Game of Thrones, there's been a lot of, and I'm talking the books here, not necessarily the TV series, of course, but both styles really sort of popularised the fantasy sci-fi element of of family houses all over again. You know, it's it's not ever gone away, really, in the literature, but it sort of made it vogue uh, once again. And this is a really good examination of how that system can work. Besides the you know political marriage between Kiraz and Lucian, and besides the way that they're ve- they're, both of their families are sort of warring against each other, as well as warring against the other families in the novel, like the Shvavkovas being sort of the major antagonistic family that is coming in at the side and really being a thorn in in both Lucian and Kiraz's plans, there's never a dull moment of that political intrigue, which, let's be honest, dull moments in political intrigue novels can very, very easily happen. It's all written really, really well. And the value of having this book workshopped extensively through a university course really really shines through it this as a debut novel is fantastically written the prose is really engaging and really appropriate for the message that it wants to send and you can see the clear attention to the details in the world building and the way that the characters react based on their personal histories and belief systems There's really no parts of the novel where I read something where you can feel the hand of the author coming in to really steer a character down a particular way. Each character decision seemed a natural extension of their place in this world, and the world seemed naturally present in the narrative, guiding the way that those characters were acting and reacting. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, overall, Blood State by Raluca Balaza is a fantastic novel. It's well worth your reading. It's a wonderful entry into what promises to be an exceptional series. And you should definitely go out and read it now.
And once you've finished reading Bloodstate by Raluca Balaza, you can also hit up the Terry Talks Fiction website where my own short fiction is available, or you can check out my short story collection, Sorcery and Silicon, available through Amazon, which has collected together all of the short fiction that appeared on my website for free in 2019. The 2020 collection should be available in a couple of months' time. So if there was a story from last year that you really particularly love, you can look forward to reading it again with the full context of the other stories that were published through the year that was so wonderful for everyone 2020. New stories for 2021 will start up on the website in only a couple of weeks, starting in February. So don't forget to subscribe at terrytalksfiction.com and you can have those stories sent to you directly by email in PDF or EPUB versions for easy reading across devices. These stories are, and always will be, completely free. So if you like deeply contextually developed fantasy and science fiction worlds like Bloodstate, I'm sure you'll enjoy the stories through Terry Talks Fiction as well. Next week, we'll be taking a look back at 2020 again with the podcast listeners' picks on what are your favourite books, movies, TV series, comics and video games you watched through 2020 were. There's some really interesting suggestions there and a very gentle reminder that there was something that I forgot to cover in my own lists. So I look forward to talking about that again next week. Until then, have a great time, and we'll talk again soon.